And we're going live to the planet. Good evening and welcome to Thursday's Richie Allen Show. It's just five o'clock here in Salford, the northwest of the UK. My name is Richie Allen. Joining me today, the legend behind the Trends Journal, Gerald Salente back on the Richie Allen Show from Kingston, New York. Before that, Dean Henderson, terrific author, broadcaster and geopolitical analyst. It's going to be an interesting show. I don't mind telling you so I don't know. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on RichieAllen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. And as usual, if you'd like to comment on anything you hear or something you haven't heard, it's RichieAllen.co.uk. That's the website. Comment live on the menu bar to not only talk to me, but talk to others as well. Share your opinions. You never know. You might just, you might just get to the bottom of everything. You might find out who really shot J.R. Ewing. You might find that out. Wasn't Kristen at all. It's a false flag. It's Osama Bin Laden. It's uh, one and a half minutes past five. Yeah, Dean Henderson this hour. It's going to be good to catch up with Dean from the Ozarks and Gerald Salente. Do check out trendsjournal.com. We will, of course, be talking about Ukraine. It's going to be a Ukraine-heavy or Ukraine-centric programme this afternoon. I don't think you'll mind that. It's Thursday. It's uh, absolutely milling it down outside. It's been another brutally grim day. Not at all cold, but just rain. Rain. How's it down your way? Good, good. Thursday means The Apprentice. It means Dragon's Den. It does. What a gripping life you do lead, Baldy. I know. I know it's so exciting. Being on the radio, what do you do? Just watch The Apprentice on telly and I have a beer. That's what I do most evenings. So, woo-hoo, The Apprentice. There was an Irish version of that for a while with a guy called Bill Cullen. Is it still going on? Or was it axed? Was it canned? Bill Cullen. Jesus. Anyway, well, dear listener, a team, a team from the International Criminal Court in The Hague has left for the Ukraine. I'm reading now from a website. They're still saying the Ukraine, which is wrong on so many levels. A team has left for Ukraine from The Hague to start investigating possible war crimes. Hours before they set off, prosecutor Karim Khan said he would start collecting evidence as part of a formal investigation into whether the Russians are committing war crimes. Eh? What what was that? That was Kareem Khan, son. I thought it was Superman. No, it's Kareem Khan and his merry band of international criminal court lawyers heading off to Ukraine. That was quick, wasn't it? Eh? The speed of them. It's only taken 20 years nearly to uh, investigate the Right Honourable Anthony Blair and Jack Straw and all the rest of them. Shall I keep naming them? Alistair Campbell. He walks about a free man. Wow, the speed of them looking into Russia. 
Are you watching the media coverage of this? Can you think back to last week when the media coverage began? There's a bit of a staged feeling to the coverage, isn't there? All of it lacks chaos, particularly the reporting. It's very slick now. You might argue, and you might have a point. They've had plenty of practice over the years, Richie. I would imagine they've got protocols, the media. They've got a blueprint for how to cover such things as invasions and wars. And you might be right if you said that. But I also might be right. It's almost like they knew. You know, it's the location stages and stuff like that. It's all very seamless. And that's suspicious to me as somebody who's worked at pretty every, pretty much every level of, of broadcasting. I hear you snoring. He's not saying that again, is he? But I did. I did. I did. And I'm, I'm uh, just saying it because it's relevant today. Now, Alastair Coleman. Oh, wow. Hey, look him up on Twitter. Alistair Coleman. It's spelled Alastair. So it's A-L-I-S-T-A-I-R. Coleman. C-O-L-E-M-A-N. Look up Alistair Coleman. BBC disinformation reporter. I'd like you to look him up on Twitter just to see his, well, just to see his profile picture. Might make some sense when you hear this. Anyway, Alistair Coleman is the man you should ask, you should ask, if you see a video from Ukraine and you don't trust it. You want to know if it's real. You want some verification. You want to know if it's real or you want to know if it's fake. Ask the BBC's Alastair Coleman. This morning, Alastair guested on BBC Radio 5 Live's breakfast programme. It was absolutely hilarious. Bizarrely, the presenter, Rachel Burden, showed this guy a few videos from Ukraine on the radio. <laughs> Meaning that I, as a listener, running down, running down Regent's Road in Manchester... I couldn't see what they were talking about, but it kind of matters not. You get the picture. The disinformation reporter is in studio and he's being asked by the presenter to say, is it real? Is it fake? Anyway, she showed him some videos, this, uh, this BBC disinfo reporter, and asked him, real or fake? And he found it all rather amusing. And as he found it amusing, so did I. We've uh, we've actually uh, had verification from the from uh, uh, a member of the Ukrainian government, but how, how he came across it was, of course, on social media. He finds that very funny, doesn't he? He can't stop laughing. This guy. He, he we we've had verification of of this video. We've uh, we've actually uh, had verification from the from. Uh, uh, a member of the Ukrainian government, but how he came across it was, of course, on social media. And there's an awful lot of these uh, videos on social media, which some of them, are, a lot of them are real now, because at the, at the beginning of the uh, conflict, a lot of them were fake because of, because of the dearth of footage. But now there's a lot of real footage. A lot of it's quite distressing. And we're spending days and days verifying them, uh, trying to find suitable uh, footage that, that we know to be true. No. He said at the beginning of the conflict there was a lot of fake videos because there was a dearth of videos. There were so few. But now we have lots of videos and they're real and you can trust me because the Ukrainian government told me. You did catch that. That's quite funny. Had verification from the from uh, uh, 
a member of the Ukrainian government, but how he came across it was, <laughs> of course, on social media. Yeah. So he said, didn't he, we um, aim to find footage we know to be true. That's how he finished. We aim to find footage we know to be true, to which Rachel Burden, the presenter, replied... Yeah, and that can help tell the story in a way that is um, that's honest and, and genuine and reflects what's going on on the ground. <laughs> Did you catch that? When she said honest and genuine, he laughed again. Listen, listen carefully. That's honest and, and genuine and reflects what's going on on the ground. <laughs> that's honest and genuine, <laughs> he says. That's honest and, and genuine and reflects what's going on on the ground. And I'm trying to amplify it. Genuine and reflects. Yeah, I tried to amplify it. Summer, I, I tried to you. amplify it. Here we go. Here we go. Genuine reflect. He's just laughing his ass off. Is the disinformation reporter for the BBC? <laughs> he can't stop giggling, and it was contagious because presenter Rachel Burden, well, she found herself giggling away as well. Yeah. So generally, anything that you see on any kind of BBC source, you can trust. Is is that the general rule? <laughs> Anything you see on the BBC you can trust, is that the general rule? Yeah, so generally anything that you see on any kind of BBC source you can trust, is, is that the general rule? That's correct, we have a team of people. What kind of fuckery is this? That's correct, we have a team on the ground working morning, noon and night to determine when videos emerge on social media, whether they're real or fake. You can trust us, we're the BBC. We told you that Building 7 was collapsed into, a, into its own footprint on September the 11th, it was still standing. Behind us, this information, the BBC. Oh, maybe I'm reading too much into that, but they couldn't stop giggling every time they referred to something being genuine. That's funny, that, isn't it? It is to me. It's 10 minutes past the hour. It's Thursday. Thursday's Richie Allen show on the 33rd of the third day of the month. The 33rd. It's the third. It's the fourth of the third. Is it? It's the 3rd of the 3rd, 2022, that's right, March 3rd. It's not always easy for me to say that. It's a, it's a genetic thing, all Irish people suffer with it. Unless you are a West Brit, they can pronounce their THs somehow, and the rest of us can't. Anyway, shall we hear LBC's James O'Brien, shall we, shall we, shall we? Let's hear James O'Brien. I know you don't like hearing him, but we're going to hear him momentarily. You will be aware now that the UK government, its US counterpart, the European Union, they are sanctioning or attempting to or threatening to sanction Russian businessmen and women, taking their possessions from them, freezing their bank accounts. Why? Well, because they allegedly know or like or supported the Russian Federation President Vladimir Putin. I've written about this today. This is tyranny. But it's not. It's, uh, the, the word tyranny is losing its luster. It's overused. And that's including myself. I use it too often. It's horrendous is what it is. You know, we're going to seize property in London belonging to some Russian bloke. Why? Well, because he, he likes Vladimir Putin. Really? Mad stuff. Now, you would have thought that any self-respecting journalist, regardless of what he or she thought about Russia, you would have thought that they would draw the line at supporting the stealing, the hijacking of civilian property and money 
But no, not James O'Brien. No. God, no. Let's hear James O'Brien on LBC Radio this morning from London, Leicester Square, I think. If you're ever down that way, be sure to uh, to give him a wave. Here he is. Uh, Keir Starmer, I think, offered yesterday at PMQs to help the Prime Minister get it rushed through. What he means, Keir Starmer, the opposition leader, promised on Wednesday that he would support the Labour Party would put no barriers in the way of Johnson rushing through new legislation to rob Russian people of their money and possessions. That's what he's talking about, right? Parliament at breakneck speed, but there, as yet, seems to be no appetite at all from the government to do so. So the idea that you'll be able to sell off property in the UK and move assets abroad after a transition period... Um, has been written into new property regulation rules. It's a funny one, this, because the government initially uh, was praised after saying it was moving forward with long-delayed proposals, again, something that Keir Starmer called upon them to do, uh, but then appeared to insert this loophole that allows an 18-month transition period when they can get their property out of the country. And he's pissed off, this James O'Brien, the so-called journalist. He's pissed off that the government doesn't extend the hand across the dispatch box to the Labour Party to rush through legislation to make it easy to rob innocent people who have not been charged with any crimes of their possessions and their property. He's pissed off. I, I, I can't be the only one looking at the headline about Roman Abramovich. Dis- it's, it's Roman Abramovich. It's Roman Abramovich, a Russian billionaire who owns Chelsea Football Club. And James O'Brien is pissed off that Roman Abramovich has put Chelsea up for sale and and will possibly get some money for selling Chelsea. He's pissed off about this, O'Brien. He would prefer that we freeze the accounts of Roman Abramovich and steal Chelsea out from under him. Deciding to sell Chelsea Football Club because one has to imagine he's fearful of sanctions over Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Well, of course he is. Why wouldn't Roman Abramovich be a bit worried hearing that the government is planning to steal his property and his money? Why wouldn't he put Chelsea Football Club up for sale to try and get out while the going is good? But James O'Brien is not having this. Well, hang on, what? <laughs> That's absolutely ridiculous. It's ridiculous that he gets the chance to sell the, the football club he owns before the government takes it off him, even though he's broken no laws. That's ridiculous, says James O'Brien. It's ridiculous! That, that, that he can put the club up for sale. His possession. His property. Isn't it? He's worried about being sanctioned, so he's able to flog the club and pocket the money. <clears throat> and you think that can't be right, until you read of the oligarch who's had one of his yachts seized in Germany this morning, and he's the bloke who, until about four years ago, earned 30% of Arsenal Football Club and walked away with 700 million quid of Spondulix. Spondulix. 700 million Spondulix. He said it again. <clears throat> After selling... His share in Arsenal Football Club, he remains resolutely unsanctioned in this country. He remains resolutely unsanctioned. A guy who had one third of Arsenal sold it for £700 million. And uh, in other groundbreaking, earth-shattering news, today is Thursday. Uh, Multi-millionaires and billionaires, they trade football clubs and super yachts like you and I trade, I don't know, barbs? Barbs? In, in arguments, like you and I trade, I don't know, I don't know, film tips, movie tips. That's the way life is, isn't it? Rich people buy rich things. 
and sell them. But O'Brien thinks it's okay for a government to steal people's property on some Chinese fucking whispers that they might like Vladimir Putin. And yet he also owns at least two massive estates, one I think in Surrey and one in centralish London. He owns, he owns estates in Surrey and London, yeah. I'm sure he paid for them. So, I, I mean... I, 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 I mean, I mean... I, I know I say you have to leave partisanship aside. But I have to, Oh, wow, wow. I know I say, says O'Brien, you've got to leave partisanship aside. Really? Has anybody heard O'Brien over the last four years talking about Brexit? Speaking as a, as a patriotic person... He's a patriotic person now. It's disgusting to hear Boris Johnson claiming that we're leading the way and to read absolute loonies. There's a bloke in the Daily Mail today called Stephen Glover writing that this crisis has proved that we were right to leave the European Union. And it's yeah, Stephen Glover wrote in today's Daily Mail, I did read it myself, that the UK is starring in the international effort to to curtail Vladimir Putin's Russia and that the UK is playing the starring role because it doesn't have to basically go along with the European Union. More from James. Vladimir Putin is about to start doing propaganda lessons in Russian schools to persuade children that things that aren't true are true and things that are true aren't true. What? What? That sounds like fake news. Vladimir Putin is about to start doing propaganda lessons in Russian schools to persuade children that things that aren't true are true and things that are true aren't true. Source, James. Source, proof, evidence. Surely the evidence will follow now. We've got the Daily Mail in this country. We don't even need... No, of course not. He's not going to substantiate that claim with any evidence. Now, you know I don't like Vladimir Putin. I'm not defending him or any leader of any country. But this is garbage, isn't it? We need an army of brainwashing teachers when we've got columnists like that writing undiluted bilge about observable reality. Ah, shut up. And then he concludes... ...that he's lying about what we are doing to help Ukraine. Johnson, apparently, the Prime Minister, is lying about what we're doing to help Ukraine because Johnson isn't sanctioning the Russian civilians who live in the UK. He's lying about the strength of our sanctions. And if I am a student of Boris Johnson's moral depravity of any calibre whatsoever, and I think we can agree that I'm not bad at this, I tell you exactly what happens next. They bring in something late and weak and claim that it's brilliant and world-beating. They let these Russians get all their money out of the country and claim that they haven't done anything wrong because if it was happening tomorrow, they wouldn't be able to get their money out of the country. They act belatedly and they act weakly they are toothless and they are slow and yet they claim with the support of a parliament stuffed with sycophants and journalism and media stuffed with client journalists they claim that they've somehow played a blinder or pulled off a winner it, it has to be marked this day i suppose you might say this day isn't any different richie to other days but you've got a guy who claims to be a liberal O'Brien is an unashamed, unapologetic supporter and friend of Keir Starmer. O'Brien is a London School of Economics graduate. At best, he's he's number five or number six on some think tank. He's useless, says James O'Brien. I don't need to tell you that. But to call yourself a liberal and then to use your national radio programme to call for the hijacking of people who've not broken any laws at all, nor have they been accused of breaking any laws, but just stealing their property. This is a, 
national radio station in the United Kingdom. This is a, a dickhead, James O'Brien, who will virtue signal about Russia, about North Korea, about China. The irony is lost on O'Brien, bitching about, you know, totalitarianism around the world. And he thinks it's okay. He thinks McCarthyism should reign supreme in the United Kingdom. You are somehow connected to him. Well, I am, yeah, I, I'm Russian and he's Russian. You supported him. Well, yeah, I voted for him. When I was in Moscow, I voted for him. Or maybe I did a postal vote. You donated to his campaign. Yeah, I did, yeah. I could have donated to his opponent, but I donated to him. What's your fucking point? We're taking your property in Surrey and we're taking your apartment in Hyde Park and we're freezing your bank account. And James O'Brien... Well, James thinks that's fine and dandy. It's the Richie Allen radio show. It's live. It always is. From Salford on a rainy Thursday. Here's um, poor old Joni Mitchell. We'll play this anyway, even though she's a virtue signaller herself. <laughs> yeah, it's still great, even though she wanted Spotify to get rid of Joe Rogan, didn't she? But forgiveness is an important characteristic, I think, of human beings. Got to forgive people for sometimes they know not what they do. So Neil Young and Joni Mitchell have given us some great tunes. They've got something in the bank, right? Uh, we disagree with their cancel culture ideas. Listen, I don't need to tell you too much about Dean Henderson. He is a terrific, terrific geopolitical analyst, author of some amazing books, Mention them as we go along. Uh, put Dean Henderson books into any search engine. You'll come across some hugely important books. I can't say that highly enough, by the way. Um, it's great to welcome him back. For the first time in 2022, it must be said. Let's say hi again to our friend, Dean Henderson. Welcome back, Dean. How are you? Hey, good, Richie. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. Let's start with... Um, well, look, we're going to talk about what's happening in, in Eastern Europe. The International Criminal Court has sent a lawyer off to uh, Ukraine to investigate possible war crimes by the Russian military. That was quick, wasn't it? The guy's name is Kareem Khan. They're not wasting any time, Dean. What's going on? Well, you know, the first casualty uh, war is the truth. And... Um you know, it's it's we've seen this movie so many times before. We said we saw him do the same thing to Saddam, Gaddafi, Milosevic, uh, drug him into the Hague, and then when he defended himself uh, and was about to expose some things, they poisoned him and killed him. And um, look, I mean, the bottom line is this: you know, in this current situation, the Russians have done everything they could to try to minimize casualties. And the problem is, you know, Zelensky's whipped up all this lather in his own country about how there's going to be this big resistance. And the Western media and the politicians have egged him on, sending in more arms, trying to send in more arms. And they're going to they're going to blame Putin uh, when they hit a TV tower and five people die. That's a war crime. That's actually amazing that only five people died. So he's doing everything he can, but they're making it almost impossible to do do surgical strikes and to just you know get rid of this junta 
in Ukraine. It's not a government. It's a junta. There's no opposition parties allowed in Ukraine. There's no opposition media allowed in Ukraine. And so they're just they're going to they're going to drag this thing out and they're going to they're going to cause the bloodshed. The West is going to cause the bloodshed along with Zelensky uh, unnecessarily. And it's really sad. But but uh, yeah, I mean, the history of Ukraine, interesting, uh, independent in 1991. The wall came down. You have to go all the way back there to really understand what's going on, because the wall didn't just come down. You know, the wall was brought down by Western intelligence agencies, Reagan and Thatcher. Uh, the Pope, John Paul II, was involved with the Vatican. Uh, they supported the Solidarity Movement in Poland. That was uh, a tipping point, and the Solidarity Movement was funded by the Solidarists in Poland, who are these extreme right-wing white Russian uh, oligarchs. These are what we know now as the Russian oligarchs. And uh, also funding Radio Free Europe and all kinds of propaganda. And so, yeah, they brought the wall down. Their, their boy Yeltsin was in power. He was a total stooge of the West. Everybody in Russia knows it. Then they went through, you know, to Gorbachev before that. And he softened it all up. But, you know, ever since then, um, look, Ukraine is, is not Eastern Europe. It's it's historically a part of Russia, a big part of Russia. It's the, it's the breadbasket of the Eastern Hemisphere. 20% of the world's barley is produced there. So your beer is going to go way up. Uh, the wheat belt, uh, again, of the Eastern Hemisphere. There's no country in the Eastern Hemisphere that produces more of these grains. So it's very strategic that way. Um, and, you know, they got their independence in 91 when the wall came down. So everything was fine, really, um, because you had a pro-Russian or neutral government in Ukraine. And then come to 2014, and we all remember, uh, you know, the, the Madan incident where there was a bunch of it appeared to be Israeli intelligence people involved, uh, CIA, I'm sure, British intelligence, and they did their orange revolution. Um, and they they basically marched Yanukovych, who was a democratically elected president out of Ukraine at gunpoint and installed their puppet, uh, Petro Poroshenko, the, who was a billionaire oligarch chocolate manufacturer. And um but the war didn't stop. The war continued because in the east you had uh, a situation in, in the Donbass and Donetsk uh, where people from the west even, uh, I know people, I actually know uh, a person who's fighting in the east of Ukraine against uh, the neo-Nazi uh, militias who are attacking them and have been attacking them ever since 2014. The war never stopped. If you're Ukrainian, you, you're going to know that this war never stopped. It's been a war already. And they carved out Crimea because it's a their only deep water, uh, warm water port that Russia has. Um, they weren't going to give that up. So they actually did a referendum, did it, did it democratically. And the majority of the people in Crimea said, yeah, we want to stay with Russia. And uh, then you have Lugansk and, uh, and Donetsk uh, regions who became uh, under the 2016 uh minsk agreement became you know semi-autonomous zones but the ukrainian government never honored that and they kept attacking these people and the, the fellow i know over there russell bentley uh was on a hit list uh and he tells what he says is the basically they're fighting uh right-wing neo-nazis they're fighting isis uh people who are brought in there uh, by the intelligence services 
And it's not really even a government in Ukraine. It's it's just more of these uh, just Western uh, intelligence fronts who are uh, basically attacking these people and have been since they uh, for since eight they years. quit honoring the Minsk agreement. So for eight years, you know, can I can I can I jump in there? I've got to take you back to a couple of things you said. So your characterization of recent history in the region is is accurate. Um, unsurprisingly, I would agree with that. But I want to take you back to two things you said. You said there's no opposition in Ukraine at all. It's a junta. There's there's no opposition. Now, Western television and radio stations are featuring opposition parties. These are opposition parties to the Zelensky government. And they're coming on to talk about what's happening from their point of view. And they're saying, we don't like Zelensky, but we are standing by him. Uh, so you're arguing that these are not genuine opposition politicians, they're they're fake. But, but before you answer that, you also said something a moment ago that that I don't agree with. Well, I, it's not that I don't agree with it. You said that the, the Russians, in your opinion, are attempting to be surgical and attempting to minimise casualties. Now, my position on that has been the same position I've had my entire life. Um, the taking of a life is a crime and it's wrong, no matter who's doing it. And whatever the legitimate reasons Vladimir Putin and his allies in Moscow might feel they have for invading Ukraine, I think the invasion is wrong. And I think the killing of anyone, but especially civilians, is wrong. And, you know, no matter who it is, to say that, well, we're doing our best not to kill civilians. If you drop any bomb, it doesn't matter what size it is, or shell any area, you know it's going to kill innocent people. And that's a crime. Now, you can pick that up in a minute. And, of course, you know, you'll get all the time in the world. I won't be interrupting you. But that first point, before you talk about my point about the casualties, that first point about opposition, you don't believe the opposition is genuine in Ukraine? No, I don't. I think it's propaganda. Everything you see on the mainstream media is just corporate propaganda. And all of a sudden, oh, there's these opposition parties in Ukraine. But we know for a fact that these outlaw, they've been outlawed. And there's there's no opposition parties that, that are allowed to run in, in Ukraine elections. It's not a democracy, okay? And you can ask uh, anybody you want. I mean, the main, even the mainstream media, some elements of them, like Tucker Carlson, are reporting this. Yeah. And it's it's not, it's no. It's So it's all phony. And, and all these, everything you see coming out of Ukraine is just a lie. So... I mean, I agree. It's tragic. Okay, it's it's really tragic. Um, but but who's to blame? And and that's the thing. I mean, you can you you know nobody likes war. Nobody likes human life. You know, being snuffed out uh, by war. But bottom line, like I say, the people in the in the in the in Donetsk and Lugansk have been under under attack, and yeah. they've been losing their lives for the last you know, basically almost a decade. They have, and you're right to bring that up. You're absolutely right to bring that up. So why then didn't Vladimir Putin secure those areas and stop there? Well, I think it's it has to do with NATO, and it has to do with, look, all the time, you know, we don't, we don't hear anything about Russia or Russia's interest, or all we hear is, you know, NATO is good and Russia is bad. And, you know, NATO is, in fact, a fascist umbrella organization, in my view, that protects the global international bankers and the city of London and the crown. Agreed. And that's what it is. And that's what the Atlantic Council is. And that's what any kind of these Atlantic treaty organizations are, is this Anglo-American. Uh, it represents Anglo-American hegemony uh, across the planet. So you look what's happened in the last uh 
you know, a little bit here. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, you know, first Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania were allowed in the NATO. That's the Baltic states. That's right up on Russia's border. That's right in their grill house. Then you have Romania getting these missile batteries. Then you have when, when Biden came into office. So very recently you had uh, U.S. troops being moved out of Ramstein Air Base in Germany into Poland, right up to the Russian border with missile batteries, long range missile batteries. Then NATO filled in behind him with troops in Germany. So, and, 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 you know, all the time, these countries are all joining, you know, NATO and Russia doesn't like it. And all the way back in 2007, you know, that's the first time Putin said, you know, this is the red line, you know, we're not going to let NATO expand right up to our borders. Well, he did let it happen. And so the question really to me is the timing and why now, but I think why now is Ukraine and all Biden had to do and all the West had to do, all they had to do was say, no, we're not. We'll, okay. We'll go along with that. That one thing will not include Ukraine and NATO. Yeah. That's all they had to That's do. That's all they had to do. Your, your analysis, your, your analysis is sharp, mate. I, I, I'm certainly not kissing your ass. It's always sharp and it's on the money. You've asked, I think, the most important question here. Why now? And I'm suspicious at the timing of this. And all I have is my suspicions because I don't know any more than anyone else. And I haven't studied this region as much as you have. Why now indeed? And I, I've never liked Vladimir Putin. Now, I've appreciated what Russia has done in Syria, prevented the takeover of Syria by the same Anglo-American um, Zionist uh, cabal that wanted to replace Assad with a puppet there. I liked the fact he did that. Now I'm beginning to wonder why he did it, why the Russian government did it. And the timing, you asked the most prescient question, why now? A lot of people are asking questions now about Vladimir Putin and his place in the agendas, Dean, that you've written about in your brilliant books for years. Is Putin some sort of double agent here? You know, because this is perfect timing. I mean, if you're the cabal or the hidden hand, right? What else? I mean, this is manna from heaven. Just as things are easing up a bit on the COVID front, another war, or at least they label it one, all of a sudden now you have this terrible situation in Ukraine. The timing of it fascinates me, and I wonder who is Vladimir Putin really? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, and that is the most important question. And, you know, he I, I realize he attended the World Economic Forum and he was he was part of Klaus Schwab's uh whatever they call them, <laughs> Alter Boys. Yeah. Him and yeah. Macron and Trudeau and all these guys. <clears throat> so yeah, that's the question. Is was he well, I just think there's something big going on in the world right now. And and I understand the timing is really suspicious, yeah, because yeah. you got you, you go from big pharma raking in the dough. Um, and now you got big defense cranking up their industry again with this war uh, potential that they love. Um, but I think there's something bigger going on. I think, I think it has to do with the COVID and I think it has to do with Wuhan. And I just finished reading Robert Kennedy's, uh, excellent book, the real Anthony Fauci, which everybody should read. And, uh, he's also not convinced as, as am I, but there was something in Wuhan that was cooked up and released by these people. And there's there's actually phone calls and emails that have Fauci talking to this uh, ex-head of DARPA who just happened to be in Wuhan uh, when this thing broke out. And this guy was was, uh, you know, he's just he's intelligence to the max, longtime intelligence agent. I can't remember his name. It's in the book. 
But he called Fauci and he was, it wasn't like he was worried. It was more like he was a proud papa. And he said, well, I can't believe how powerful this thing is. And we have to remember the World Hunger Games were happening at the same time. It's kind of Olympics for a global military. And I'm convinced there was something released and then the 5G was turned on and there was some interaction with that. And But the but bottom line is what I'm saying is I think it was an attack on China. And this is exactly what the Chinese said when they were asked about Wuhan and they were put under the microscope yeah. and it was their fault because they weren't releasing information. And I'm not defending their draconian response to it at all. Um, but I do think the Chinese, that's exactly what they said. They said the U.S. military brought this to our country. And it was DARPA, along with Gates, along with Fauci, and the big player is the Wellcome Trust, Jeremy Farrar. Uh, Wellcome Trust is a is basically a spinoff of GlaxoSmithKline, which is a crown control corporation. Queen has the golden share. And they covered it up. Farrar was the point man in covering up and still is the point man in covering up what really happened at Wuhan. So I think uh, the Chinese... Um, and, and you have to remember, too, at the same time, where else did the virus break out right away? It was Iran, right? It did. So that was You're always right. interesting, yeah, yeah. right? And so I think the Chinese um, have realized this and that they were that they were attacked with a biological weapon. And uh, and I think the Russians realize what's going on, too. And I just think they're tired of it. I mean, they have put up with this Western hegemony, this Anglo-American empire, which thought it was just going to you know, take over the planet and has taken over the planet by and large ever since the wall came down. And I think I see something with, with Xi Jinping, which is really interesting, too. Um, if you've been following China in the last about six weeks to two months, you know, you saw him arrest Jack Mao. You saw him crack down on big tech. And you're seeing a lot of indications that Xi Jinping is, is a lot more like Mao Zedong than like than like uh, Deng Xiaoping. And it was Deng Xiaoping who signed the deal, the detente with Kissinger in 1973. And ever since then, China has, you know, been a capitalist country, totally. Um, and they've allowed the West to come in and, and the, the corporations to set up factories and export cheap stuff to the West. And well, that's all kind of ground to a halt a little bit. And this is the biggest part of the supply thing, supply chain thing that they're not telling people about is that China has very become very hostile to the West. They got what they wanted. They got their middle class. They they did raise the standard of living, you know, by being in bed with these globalists, you know, for a while. And I think you can look at it like that. And I think you can look at the same with Putin. You know, he allowed the West, he, he sort of, you know, he was part of the G8 for a while, right? They formed the G8 and then they kicked him out after the Georgia incident where Russia went into South Ossetia and uh, clean that out. And then they, you know, Shakashvili, the president of Georgia was, you know, who's now in jail, uh, became the president of that country. And, and Georgia and Ukraine are the two countries that are probably the most strategic uh, to Russia, again, because the Black Sea, you know, and the ports. But I think there's a big, you know, and I, and, and this is, you know, this is just something that I'm watching, but, you know, you, you could be right. There could be, uh, you know, some, some way that they lured him in or some way that he's, acting in their interest still, but it just looks to me like this just seems different. And Putin's demeanor seems a lot different. And uh, of course, they're going to call him crazy when he stands up to him. That's what a psychopath does. You know, when you stand up to a psychopath, you're the crazy one, right? Yeah, the propaganda um, is relentless here. I'm guessing it's, it's just as bad in your own country. Let's stay with this. Dean Henderson is our guest, brilliant broadcaster, terrific author. Check him out, folks. Um, right, let's stay with this for a minute. This attack on China. I can buy this. I can absolutely buy this. What I don't understand is we are seeing something that 
I, I've been speaking to you since my days in Spanish radio, and you are one of a handful of people who prophesized where certain people wanted to take humanity, the sort of lives they wanted to kind of um, impose upon us, the totalitarianism. What I don't understand is what they're trying to create here is the Chinese model, you know, of keeping people um, as supplicants, basically, not as citizens, but as supplicants to the state, you know, uh, tyrannised, basically surveilled all the time, you know, terrified to speak out about anything uh, and maybe everything. They almost, I would imagine, they lionise China. So why do they want to be, I mean, if they want the entire world to be like, you know, the way they've planned it, why this conflict with China? I don't understand it. I can't get my head around this. And it's actually therapeutic to admit this, that I haven't a clue what's going on because there are people in the world, I believe, that are pulling the strings of every politician on planet Earth, including Jinping, Xi Jinping, including Putin. But why these wars? Why these, you know, attacks like releasing a virus in China when really it's China they want to emulate? Help me out here, Dean. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I think they learned a lot in China. And, you know, David Rockefeller called it even the China model, you know, and, and they definitely uh, learn it. But 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 this whole time, um, you know, I guess the question is, who's who's whose decision was it, you know, to, to sort of part ways? And and, you know, it's a, it's a very difficult question. But I don't I mean, these guys, they use countries that like rags and they throw them away. Um, we saw him do it in Iraq. You know, they used Saddam Hussein, who at first was a right wing, uh, pretty much a Nazi. And and he was you know, working with the CIA to assassinate Shiites, assassinate communist leaders. Um, we saw it in Iraq, in Afghanistan uh, where they they used the Mujahideen uh, to attack the Tariki government, the socialist government of Afghanistan, which took part in the revolution in 1979. There was no absolutely no Russian intervention. That happened independently. The Russians only intervened in Afghanistan after they tried to overthrow Turkey with the Mujahideen. Yeah. And and out of that, what did they get? Well, they got the Mujahideen. And um, and, and you, you know, you just see it all the time where they, you know, they use Noriega to invade Nicaragua for them, you know, against the Contras. And then they, you know, when he got a little bit nationalist, they threw him over the side. So I really don't think they like Xi Jinping, um, for one thing. And I think it did alarm them. And this did happen after he was, you know, in power. And um, can I can I put a, another point of view there? Somebody we know, Spiro Skouras, uh, a pal, is listening to this with great interest. And he, he writes, the World Military Games opening ceremony did have a heavy UN theme. Uh, judging how the world's nations all marched in lockstep to COVID-1984, uh, that's straight out of the 2010 Rockefeller document. Spiro says, I believe they are all in on it together to usher in the new system of control, uh, the Great Reset. He says, I don't think it was an attack against China per se. It was an attack on humanity across the globe. So Spiro believes, and I don't like to take sides on my programme, Dean, especially as you're a, a very valued and very dear friend, but I suppose if I had to put my last 10 bucks on something being real, I kind of, and I have no proof of this, no more, neither the Spiro, but I kind of feel that's the way it is. I feel that that's the way it is, that every one of these leaders, you know, shouting stuff across the Atlantic at one another or the Pacific, you know, Trump shouting stuff at Rocket Man over there in North Korea and all this stuff, and, and China and Xi Jinping and all this, 
with with um, it's he, he he feels Spiro. They're all one big gang, or at least they're all one big bunch of front men and women working for the same people. And if I had to put my last ten books on something being right, that's where I'd have my last ten books. But you make a very compelling argument for it being more complicated than that. So I don't know. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's there's no doubt that they've been in bed with these guys for a long time. And and there's no doubt that, you know, I, w- I wouldn't really say Putin's been in bed with them, but I'd say he's tolerated them and he's gone to their meetings and he's tried to get along for a long time. There's no doubt about that. And the question is, you know, do these do these globalists, are they are they in complete control? Are they, you know, they thought they were. And, and I agree. This definitely was a war on humanity. It wasn't just a war on China and Iran. But that's where it started. That's where it kicked off. And, yeah. and I think that was not a coincidence. Um, also, the fact that, you know, obviously China is cheap labor, so they can just do stuff there cheaper. And, and also the fact that they can have plausible deniability when it goes bad, um, which it did. So the question is, yeah, is there is this actually is this an uprising by Russia and China against the city of London, Wall Street? you know, bankers, the crown. Or is and, it just, and, or is it just more theater to distract the rest of us? Theater. Yeah, yeah. Or is it just more theater and, and, you know, the arms industry booms and everybody profits, but, um, and, and, you know, and I'm not, and I, Hey, I, I don't know either, but I, I just, you have to be able to change your point of view. Of course. According to what yeah. happens on the ground. I mean, you can't just, believe that these Illuminati bankers run every single person in the yeah, world. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's, it is more complicated than that. And I'm just seeing some really interesting things out of China, starting with the crackdown of Hong Kong, because Hong Kong uh, is a cesspool like Ukraine. It's drugs. It's organ trafficking. It's it always has been ever since the Vietnam War. And they put an end to it. And we didn't like it. And, oh, yeah, we cheered on the Hong Kong protesters. We cheered on the CIA. We love to cheer the CIA because we're all mind control fucks. And we just believe everything they tell us. Yeah. And But I don't know. Just the one thing that really tips me uh, to thinking that, the, the, that it might be more nuanced and it might actually be a, an uprising against the globalists is that the media response to this has just been over the top. And... I mean, the lies just get bigger. And, you know, so to me, and, and Ukraine is a cesspool. I mean, that's the thing. It's like nobody wants Ukrainian people to die. Nobody wants anybody to die. But this junta in Ukraine, um, 25% of Ukrainian women have been turned into prostitutes in Eastern Europe, for example. It's it's just, and, and it all, a lot of it comes through uh, the Black Sea ports, Odessa mainly. That's where all, you know, just like every place else, the ports. Because why? Because, oh, Dubai Ports runs every port in the world right now, pretty much, which is the crown, which used to be the old P&O Ned Lloyd uh, from Hong Kong, the whole the old shipping company. And now it's, yeah, it's uh, Dubai Ports is their name now. And imagine and- this, imagine this. There are some British journalists crying tears, crying rivers for the Queen because she might have to pay compensation uh, to uh, Virginia Giuffre on behalf of her son, as if as if the old uh, dragon is going to be broke anytime soon. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's pathetic. It's, it's ridiculous, isn't it? It's not, Dean Henderson is our guest. Couple of points. I have to acknowledge a Ukrainian gentleman who I don't I don't know if he lives in Ukraine or lives in the UK. 
He sent me a very rude email the other day, which is fine. That's absolutely fine. I have no problem with that. And I was going to read it out verbatim, but it's very long. But he said to me that I've got it all wrong and my guests have it all wrong when we say that, you know, Putin is right to be pissed off at the coup, the US coup in 2014. My um, listener points out that you can go back to the early 18th century to the Constitution of Bendery, the 1710 constitutional document written by the hetman of Ukraine, that's uh, Polyp Orlik. Ukraine was its own independent country a long, 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 long time before the Soviet Union. You can talk about the Ottoman Empire. And he makes a good point there. You know, if guys like me and you are going to talk about 2014 and maybe 2010 and, and all of that and Victoria Newland and Hillary Clinton and all these horrible monsters, you know, if we're going to go back in time, we should go back to the very beginning. And my mate reckons, listen, you know, most people in Ukraine, they don't want to have anything to do with Russia. Or, or because they remember the Soviet Union, which wasn't a nice place to live. So there you are. I've acknowledged that. You see, Dean, that's what we do, do you and me. We voice everybody's opinion. But he's right, 1710, Ukraine Constitution. We go way mm-hmm. back. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And then before that, for another 10,000 years, they were part of Russia. So if you want to go way, way back, yeah. you can do that as well. And, you but know, they liberated and themselves. I'm all for people being independent. I'm all for, I'm all for yeah. the smaller... The entity, the, the more people have control generally, you know, so break down the countries into smaller, break down the USA into states, fine with me. But you can't have uh, you can't have a base camp for Western intelligence uh, on your southern flank. Absolutely. Where your biggest port is. And they want other ports at Odessa and, and Mariupol also. And, and, you know, they don't have it. And you can't have that. And you can't have a country that's just, you know, going around killing Russian speaking people in its own country, east of the river, east of Kiev, that whole the half of that country is Russian speaking people. So Yeah, you know, but a night, but a night, but a hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I love you, but listen, a night for a night, it's wrong, Dean. It's terribly wrong. And I this is a position I've held my entire life. He is wrong when he goes beyond the eastern regions of Donbass and Luensk, if I said that correctly. And and he's shelling buildings, even if they're exaggerating, and I'm sure they are, of course they are, exaggerate, exaggerating it here in UK on BBC, of course they are. But even if you kill one person, one poor bastard who works as a painter by day, that's wrong. And you lose the moral argument, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's wrong, but it's also wrong to turn your women into prostitutes. It's also wrong to have ISIS in your country smuggling in, according to Russell, botulism which they're going to maybe use for a false flag. It's also wrong to, to, to kill people in Donbass and Lugansk. So, I mean, you know, yeah, war is an ugly thing. Um, and generally what it does is it breaks down and it, and it, and it shows us reality. I mean, in a, in a strange sort of paradoxical way, like the only time you ever get any reality in this world is through war because you, you find out, you know, what's, what's going on. But you can't, you know, look, all Zelensky's got to do is step down. All this junta has to do, this undemocratic Nazi, it is Nazi, okay? You want to meet some real Nazis? I mean, we all know what's been going on in the West with, oh, virtue signaling, and you know, every white person's a Nazi, and every white person's a white supremacist, and it's all bullshit. So now you have these same liberals who are spreading these critical race theory lies over there backing Nazis, backing a Nazi junta, and its militias, and its ISIS buddies, and its CIA buddies, its Israeli buddies. So all Zelensky's got to do is step down and, and just quit quit killing people, quit killing Russians. But he won't do it. He hasn't done it. He, don't, he wouldn't even honor, All he's got to do is honor the Minsk agreement. He wouldn't even do that. All he had to do was say, yeah, we'll let these be semi-autonomous zones and, 
and fine, but he wouldn't do that. So, you know, you put him in a, you put him, you put Putin in a hard spot and, you know, you can, you can hate on him all you want and people do. And of course they do every, I'm probably the only person that doesn't. I don't, I don't hate him either. I'll be the only person standing. I don't care because it's a war. It sucks. But who, who caused the war? All you had to do, all the West had to do was say NATO. No, we're not going to let Ukraine into NATO. That's all they had to do. What do you think, Dean? What do you, so Vladimir Zelensky, the, the, of course, he's a puppet uh, president. He is. He, they're not going to say, okay, you know, rub their hands and say, that's it, gone. So what next then? What does the Russian military do? Does it try and sack Kiev or Kiev and put its own people in there? Because if they do, I'm reckoning that, well, you're looking at insurgency and just a rotten situation that could go on forever and ever and ever. How do you see it um, developing, shall we say? Yeah, it's going to get ugly because, and that was their choice. That was the choice of Zelensky and that was the choice of the West, as I say, because it didn't have to be like this. I mean, a junta is a junta and, you know, it's not, it's, it's not going to be tolerated anymore by Russia, obviously. So now it's going to get bloody. and. Yeah, they're probably going to have to, you know, take more than they want to take. And they're probably going to have to, more people are going to die than have to die. And they'll blame Putin and they'll send the, you know, try to send him to the, hey, good luck with that. But, you know, the, the reality, the truth, and there's very little of this in the world anymore. But the truth is the blood is on the hands of the West. The blood is on who are sending, you just sent $350 million worth of arms, trying to get it through Poland um, and and in through Lviv and and good luck with that, too, because those convoys, Putin said yesterday, he's going to bomb those convoys. And he might. Yeah. And then what? So they're just escalating. The, the West just seems to want to escalate this. A, because they're stupid. They don't know about history. They don't understand the complexities of Ukrainian ethnicities and politics. And, and, and B, because they're greedy. And, of course, they want to help their own arms industry get revved up again um, because the COVID scam is over. Well, it's not over, but it's in a lull. And... So I don't know. Um, it's going to get bloody. I mean, I'm afraid. And then I don't even know. I mean, does China go into Taiwan um, while this is happening? Does Russia stop uh, at Ukraine? Does Russia? There's a there's a breakaway region of Moldova now too that could be in, in play. There's Lithuania, uh, w- which is in play. Um, where does it stop? Does he go all the way to the city of London? In some ways, I hope he does. But I mean. Look, I'm just, frankly, I'm tired of these assholes, Richie, yeah. and I want them gone. And, and I might be just, it might just be, you, you know, wishful thinking on my part that this is what's going on, that there's actually this China-Russia alliance that's rising up and they're, they're cutting ties with the West, who they were in bed with for many years, many decades. And, but I'm just tired of it. And something's got to, something's got to give. And maybe this is what gives. We're coming to the end, aren't we? They're just going to enslave us and kill us all. Obviously, that's what they're trying to do. That's a brilliant summing up there, I think. Look, you make a very compelling argument in terms of how you see it. A very compelling one, and I don't know. I mean, you you could very well be right. Like I said, I would have my last 10 bucks on on the other side of that, which is that they're all in in bed, but I certainly don't have any more insight than, than you do. You made a very good uh, you know, c- c- compelling argument for that. Dean Henderson is our guest. We've got about three minutes left before we um, part company today. I hope you'll come back very soon, by the way. Don't leave it as long mm-hmm. in the next couple of weeks and we'll get, we'll get back into it. Um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm, I'm watching Unrelenting.
anti-Russian, anti-Vladimir Putin propaganda here. It's hysterical. It's the same sort of stuff we saw, in, you know, in the very first... We should never call it the first Iraq war or the second one. Those were invasions and genocides, of course they were. But Paul Craig Roberts mentioned it last night, you know, those stories about babies being thrown out of incubators. We're getting all of that sort of crap today, mm-hmm. and I know you're getting it on, on, on media back there. The, the final point I was going to make to you, and you, you, you give me a final answer on this if you don't mind, is um, regardless, you know, of of whether Spiro is right or whether you are right that the, the, the Russians and maybe the Chinese maybe are, you know, some genuine opposition to it. I have a feeling, and I know you're a spiritual man, we're going to find out, we're in the end game, really, aren't we, of this in the next 5, 10, 15 years. Now, I don't want to alarm my listeners. I don't mean the world is going to end. But this is coming to a conclusion, this eternal battle between, you know, ordinary, decent people like you and me and nutcases, Luciferian lunatics. We are getting to the end somehow, right? Yeah, I mean, you got to remember, Edgar Case said it was Russia that would save the world from global tyranny. And, 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 and Nostradamus said something similar. And I mean, I don't know. It's like people are so, this whole world has moved so far to the right, you see, politically. You see, I'm still an old lefty, Richie, and I don't, I'm never going to be You and me. That. You and me. Because I've been behind a shovel and I know what it's like for a boss to screw you over on wages. Yeah. I know what it's like to put up with a slumlord where you live. I know what it's like. I know who these people are. They're parasites. And they're all and now the whole West is becoming parasites. I mean, the people have internalized it's like, you know, they used to talk about communist man. You know, that's what they talked about creating communist man, where where man would be empathetic, man would be sharing, man would not want to control other people. And now what we've got is capitalist man running amok everywhere. And it's disgusting. And Putin knows it. I mean, he sent pussy riot into his country. And then you bitch about it when he throws them out. I mean, the the, mind, the main driving force you have to remember, Richie, is spiritual in Russia right now. It's the Russian Orthodox Church has, has been going through this huge uh, ascendancy. And people are becoming more religious. And they're going to church more. And they see the West as this decadent cesspool. And they're right. And so where does it stop? Where does it end? I mean, it, and, and something has to give here. So, by the way, the oligarch situation, go ahead and seize their yachts. That's disgusting, They'll, isn't it? That's disgusting. You know, yeah. Seize their, take their yachts. Take Bezos' yachts while you're at it. Absolutely. Well said. While you're at it. Absolutely. They're all the same. And guess what? They're not friendly with Putin either. So that's the yeah. biggest lie probably of the whole thing. Yeah. Remember Boris Berezovsky? Remember Mikhail Gorkowski? Yeah. yeah. These guys yeah, yeah. with dual Israeli passports who looted Russia with Goldman Sachs and the Harvard Institute back in 99 and yeah. crashed the ruble. Yeah, those are the guys that moved to Ukraine and set up operations like Alpha Bank, which is Mikhail Friedman, who lives in the city of London, who worked with Dick Cheney's Halliburton to traffic people through Europe, to traffic KLA, using the KLA, the Kosovo Liberation Army, to traffic heroin out of Afghanistan. And it's a criminal organization, this Alpha Bank. So go ahead and please do, please take Mikhail Friedman's mansion in the city of London yeah. and strip him of all his assets. Where it's were no where were the calls to asset strip people when Tony Blair and George Bush were killing a million people in Iraq, a, a million people right. who never did anything to anybody? Yeah, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, yeah. the West is a, a bunch of communists, I guess. You know, they want to strip people of their assets. But like I say, fine with me. Because that's where yeah. I'm from too. Just go ahead, but just be consistent. Be yeah, consistent. just strip them all of their assets. 
because the, 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 the really the reality is there is no oligarchy in Russia to speak of. There's an oligarchy in the West that needs to be talked about. And that's what needs to be targeted. And I don't care who targets them. I'm just wanting people to target this oligarchy because there's never been a bigger a bigger uh, disparity of wealth in the world than there is right now. And this is how these rich people run us and control our minds with NBC News and General Electric and Westinghouse and, and CNN, which is owned by AT&T and on and on and on. And it's just it's just people are so mind controlled that they'll sit there and wave a, a blue and yellow flag. And they don't even fucking know where they don't know where you, they couldn't find it on a map. Right. I'm going to give you six. I'm going to give you 60 seconds because I'm going to say something that's going to annoy you. But you're you're going to get the last 60 seconds. Right. (laughs) I agree with everything you said there. But Vladimir Putin is worth at least hundreds of millions. He is. I know this to be true. And so is Sergei Lavrov. Um, Most people in Russia have fuck all. So in that sense, you know, bada boom, bada bing. It's the same in Russia. The leaders have hundreds of millions. Ordinary bloke on the street has got nothing. 60 seconds. It was brilliant catching up with you today. You get the final word. Go ahead. Yeah, definitely. Um, great catching up with you, Richie. And I, I really uh, enjoy talking to you always, man. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about Putin's wealth. I, all I hear is these uh, things on the TV about it. So I have no idea. I honestly don't have any idea. I'd like to see somebody give me some documents on that. So I heard the other day, I heard him saying he was the richest man in the world. Yeah, right. Everybody knows who's the richest yeah, person in the world. It's your yeah. queenie. It's your, it's your old queenie over there. And she owns more land than anybody. And the Vatican owns the second most. So I don't, I don't know. I just, again, I just think a lot of this is just, look, we, we got, we got worked up into a lather starting with Russiagate and Trump was there to, to, to make liberals crazy. And then they started loving the CIA. They love the mainstream media. They learned to hate Putin through Russiagate, which was a total fabrication. Nothing came of it. We found out later that Clinton was spying on Trump. And that's still in the courts, by the way. And there's people that could go to jail for that still. So that Russiagate thing led by Adam Schiff, who was of the Schiff banking family, you know, one of the eight families because the Schiffs married yeah. into the Kuhn Lobes. And that was all fabricated. And why was that fabricated? Well, you have to look at what's going on now to understand it. And they set... They set Putin up. They set him up. Everybody hates him in the West because of all the propaganda that they've been marching out. And I think they just knew that this guy is formidable. This guy needs to be he needs his character assassinated over and over and over for a decade. And then we can get to a point where we get to this point right now where where people are so they hate Putin so bad. And and they just have no reason to, to hate him. I mean, there's no reason to hate this guy. No, I um, don't hate him. I, I, I go along with that. We're um, we're just about out of time. Dean, um, where can people find you these days? Remind us. Um, I don't have that website. The uh, NSA took that down. And uh, they're messing with my phone lately. They're always messing with me. But that just tells me I'm telling the truth. And um, I just, you know, you just go to Dean Henderson, Amazon. That's where my books are at. Um, Big oil and their bankers would be particularly pressing it right huge, now because huge, yeah. this is going to be a lot of a lot of there's a lot of people in that book are involved with this current uh, situation and um but yeah that's 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 what I got on the old internet um <laughs> yeah do folks but, uh, do go to do go to Amazon I, I know we've bitched about Bezos we're not being hypocritical do go to 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 Amazon uh, pick up a book by Dean Henderson. Uh, Big Oil, The Four Horsemen. These are amazing, amazing reads. I'm telling you from personal experience. Give Jill our regards and look, come back again in a few weeks, mate, will you? Don't be a stranger. Love having you on. It's a pleasure. 
Sounds great, brother. You hang in there. Keep doing the good good things you're doing. Thanks, Dean. Bye for now and God bless uh, the terrific Dean Henderson live on the Richie Allen Show Thursday's programme, March 3rd, 2022. Don't forget, coming up in a few moments, uh, Gerald Salente live from Kingston in New York State. The Richie Allen Show features doctors, scientists, academics and researchers who have been banned by the legacy media. Support Richie now by making a financial contribution at richieallen.co.uk. Now, my pal Spiro Skouras, activistpost.com, he boils down in a couple of sentences what, what he thinks. You, you might be asking me, well, why, why are you mentioning this guy Spiro? Why are you giving him uh, so much time? Well, I like him, number one, but he, he we've heard Dean... He's putting a kind of a different perspective on things. Two sentences. He says, we are witnessing the fall of Western hegemony by design to usher in the new system of control. That's fairly, um, it's very obvious where he is. Uh, Bring down Western hegemony on the one hand, that looks like a fantastic thing, but what will replace it? Well, it won't be anything benevolent. It'll be global control. Uh, a system of control, controlling every man, woman and child on planet Earth. I suppose, I mean, you will know by now that the the World Health Organization is giving itself, it's asked for, but it has appointed itself as the future, basically, control centre of any pandemic. And there will be a uniformed response. Every country in the world will take direction from the World Health Organization because Every country doing its own thing proved to be so chaotic during the COVID scam of the last two years. This is where it's going. Uh, that's why I would, you know, I would see it Spiro's way. But then that's not nothing new. I've been saying that for years. I don't believe in, you know, that, that, that Vladimir Putin or anyone else in any other country Countries that stand up to the United States. It's tempting. It's easy, I suppose, to, to think, well, they must be the good guys then. There lies the opposition to the global tyranny. But not necessarily. Things aren't so straightforward, maybe. It's uh, seven and a half minutes past six o'clock. I'm Richie Allen, live from BBG Towers. Uh, on the Richie Allen Show, your Richie Allen Show, this is REM. The BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen. OREM, shiny happy people. Can't remember, is it in time, out of time? God, Richie, I should know the album. Got the album, I've got the vinyl, I believe. Uh, welcome back to the programme. It's uh, nearly 11 minutes past six. Gerald Salente will be with me in a few moments from Kingston, New York. Lovely, fantastic. Fantastic. Hi to Gina. Hi to uh, Diane Hughes. Hi, Diane. She says her son's girlfriend looks exactly like the girl on the REM album cover that this track came from, says Diane. Thank you, Diane. Lovely. Okay. Um, Gina was asking me about a guest. Uh, you'll have to leave that with me, uh, uh, Gina. Hi to Vicky, who says, Dean was fantastic, she says. So insightful and so interesting. Thanks, Vicky. Uh, hi to uh, Kian Wong, to William Henderson. Uh, he agrees with Spiro Skouras. Hi to Michael, who asks, why are there no US or UK oligarchs? This has been a long time fermenting. It's a hatred of all Russians, says Michael. Thanks, Michael. Thanks so much. 
uh, for all of uh, your comments. Richard Kelly, good evening. Good evening to Acker, who asks, did Putin get screwed over with the collapse of the ruble in the 80s? Trevor says, are we living through a real version of the film Wag the Dog? Never know. John says, Dean's been great tonight. He also feels like I feel I'm enraged by the people who control us too, says John. Thanks so much for that, John. Cookie says, has anyone heard about Tony Blair and Sierra Leone and him owning a diamond mine? Any info on this would be great, says Cookie. See, he might do, but that wouldn't be public knowledge, would it? It wouldn't be allowed to be, to be public with that. Even if he did, he might do. Uh, hi to Darren. It's a long post, Darren. When you are sending me messages through the website during the programme, try to keep them to a minimum of five or six lines because it's much easier for me to read them out then if you, uh, if you get me kind of a thing, you know, if you get me. All righty. Let's get um, my next guest on uh, the line. He has... Uh, for 41 years, being, being hit, 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 not, not just him, but, but mostly him and his uh, team for over 40 years, predicting, accurately predicting trends. It isn't any exaggeration to say that the Trends Research Institute is indeed uh, the leader in trend forecasting worldwide. Uh, the latest edition of the Trends Journal uh, has got an incredibly striking front cover, Unite for peace or die for war. Do subscribe to the journal at trendsresearch.com or trendsjournal.com. The YouTube channel for Gerald Salente is excellent. You will find uh, terrific uh, videos there by Gerald, but also conversations with luminaries such as Judge Napolitano. Some brilliant stuff on there recently. Let's welcome back to the programme. Live from Kingston, the one and only Gerald Salente. Welcome back, my friend. It's been a while. How are you? I'm, how am I? I'm tired. You're tired of it. Sad as can be. You know, it's, uh, first we had the COVID war where they robbed us of our rights and freedom and joy, sucked the joy out of life, making up a lot of crap. And then you go back to the Trends Journal uh, cover back in uh, January 25th. Uh, we had, you know, markets crashing. When all else fails, they take you to war. Yeah, and and it's just been going on forever, you know. The uh, what followed the the 1929 market crash, then you had the Great Depression. Oh, then you had World War II. Duh. Oh, then you had the dot com bust in uh, 2000, which we, by the way, in the Trends Journal, we forecast it was going to happen in 1999, October 1999. We said the dot com would bust by the second quarter of 2000. It did. The day before 9-11, 2001, September 2001, not very far, the United States was in a deep recession. The Nasdaq was down 66%. All of a sudden, we're going to get that guy, uh, Osama bin Laden, dead or alive. And they launched the Afghan war. People forgot about what was going on. Then they created the whole fake housing market, the derivative scam. And it just keeps going on. And now, you know, the markets were way overvalued. Everybody knows they were, why they got staying up. And the, all this cheap money being flooded in negative and zero interest rate policy. Inflation skyrocketing. All of a sudden, they go, oh, we're going to raise interest rates. And we're a bunch of lying uh, people. We said we were going to raise it when the inflation rate hit 2%, but we BSed you 
and said it was only a temporary and transitory and transgendatory, whatever the hell they want to make up. <laughs> and, yeah. and so they raise interest rates. The market's going down. You look what happened in January, you know, in, 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 in February, and all of a sudden the Russian thing breaks out. You called, and, by the way, can I, you called the end of COVID or, you know, the, the easing of, of it. You got that basically on the nose Again, yep. you said around the end of, of March that things would start to ease up globally and uh, yep. you called that spot on and then here we are. with, with yep. one. And can I just congratulate you? Um, ah, yeah, thank no, you. not on that, not on that, not on that, on something more important than that. Um, none of us does sick of fancy, none of us does. Um, congratulations on doing what a lot of independent, you know, content creators or independent voices won't do because they've fallen for the Putin, good, West, bad narrative. Things are much more nuanced than that. You've been saying this your entire life. Um, oh. You've criticised the Russians dropping bombs in, in, in Ukraine, even if you think that Russia has a legitimate long-time gripe, and that's to your absolute credit. So well done for calling that. It's wrong. Killing people is wrong, no yeah, matter who yeah, does it. Yeah, totally against it. And, and again... You know, you go back to our Trends Journal, huh, when it used to be a quarterly, spring 2014. We had Dr. Paul Craig Roberts. He was a former assistant treasury secretary under Ronald Reagan. And he did a huge story. I did one on how the United States overthrew the democratically elected government of uh, Viktor Yanukovych in Ukraine. Victoria Nuland, whose sicko husband is this right-wing uh, madman and she was an undersecretary of state and they there she is she's caught on they they hacked into her uh, cell phone talking to the guy Pyatt at the time that was the American ambassador to UN say they're going to put Yats in there that this the little jerk when they got rid of uh, Yanukovych Yats is our guy was, yeah yeah that's our guy right and and so it was a complete 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 right in front of everybody's eyes, a coup launched by the United States. And anybody could put in Victoria Newland, N-U-L-A-N-D, December 2013, Washington, D.C. Just put that into Google. And there she is. She's giving a talk. And it's brought to you by Chevron, big sign on one side, Exxon Mobil on the other side. And she's talking about how the United States, this is 2013, in December, just before the coup, Five billion dollars in American money to non-governmental organization NGOs in Ukraine to bring democracy to Ukraine. Right, right there. It was a coup. So anyway, and then and then again, you you get the Trends Journal. And what was it? Last last week was what 186 pages. This week like 140. Yeah. No ads. And 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 we wrote about in detail how when. The Soviet Union broke up. The deal between Gorbachev, Reagan, and Gorbachev and Bush Sr. was that, quote, NATO would not move one inch further. It's in the National Archives. I'm not making it up. And since that time, that slimy little piece of arrogant, scum, murderous crap, Bill Clinton, who gave us NAFTA, brought China to the World Trade Organization, uh, uh, deregulated the communications industry, 
uh, the Glass-Steagall Act so the banks just could get bigger. One war crime after another, bombing the hell out of Ukraine, uh, Iraq, putting sanctions on Iraq that killed over 500,000 Iraqi children under the age of five. You can look that one up to Madeleine Albright, CB, uh, 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 CBS News, uh, 60 Minutes with Leslie Stahl. When Leslie Stahl asked Madeleine Albright, who was the UN ambassador on the Clinton at the time, is the death of 500,000 children under the age of five worth the sanctions? And Madeleine Albright said, yes, it is. Yeah, she did. That Bill Clinton. So now you're, you're looking at Bill Clinton violated the agreement. They had 16 NATO nations at the time. Now it's nearly doubled. It's 30. Then you look at the Minsk agreement that after the United States coup and the eastern sections of Ukraine were breaking off, the Donbass regions, and they had the Minsk agreement. Okay, we're going to cease fire, no more, Let's until we come up with a solution. And, and you hear Putin talking to Zelensky, the guy that's the uh, president of, or prime minister, whatever the hell he is over there, president, prime minister, piece of crap uh, of, of over there in Ukraine, selling, telling him it's the Minsk agreement, this is what we've agreed to, and that's it, beautiful. And they, they, they totally ignored it. And they've been bombs away. They started killing people and escalating in the Donbass region, which they never report in the Western news. There were about 100,000 Ukrainian troops on the border. So the Americans are in total violation of the agreements. And they were responsible for the overthrow of the democratically elected government of Mossadegh. Oh, excuse me, not Mossadegh. That was the Iranian. How can I forget 50, that one? 53, That's the yeah. other one the United States threw, yeah. overthrew. That was in Iran of Yanukovych. So now back in January, United States fighter bombers were doing maneuvers 14 miles off the coast of Russia. Massive, massive NATO maneuvers in the Black Sea on Russia's borders. So they pushed Putin into this. Did he have to do what he's doing? I am totally against it. Totally against it. But it is also the pot calling the kettle black. Here the United States is condemning Russia for what they're doing in Ukraine, but not a peep about, hey, those Israelis, they could steal all the land that they want. Oh, God gave it to them. Oh, no, no. How about this one? How about the Iraq war based on lies? How about the Afghan war, 20 years, having no business being in there? NATO was there. NATO was in Iraq. NATO destroyed Libya. Oh, yeah, we want that guy Gaddafi out of there. Gaddafi must go, quote. That's the words of the Nobel Peace of Crap Prize winner, Barack Obama and bullshit Biden has voted for every murderous war that America's committed since he's been alive. And America's condemning the world. America's the world's greatest killers since the end of World War II. It's what is it, seven or eight years since the foundation of the United States only seven or eight, correct me, ten years that the country has, hasn't been at war with somebody or, no. or invading somebody. Yeah. It, yeah. 
look at the look at the Civil War. Oh, people believe the bullshit about Lincoln. Had nothing. Lincoln Lincoln was pro-slavery. You can read it in a great book by De Lorenzo. What did they kill about half a million Americans? Destroyed the South. How about Woodrow Wilson bringing America to World War One? One lie after another. This is the beginning of World War Three. I was just going to ask you because I watched your excellent conversation with Judge Napolitano. Folks, if you do happen to use YouTube, subscribe to Gerald Salente on there. There's some great content on there and it's really well produced as well. Uh, All bells and whistles, which is lovely. Uh, Trendjournal.com. But you said that to Judge Napolitano. It's like if you had to put, I, I mentioned in the last era, I'm not a betting man, but I do mention betting quite a bit, even though I don't bet or gamble. But if you did have to have a couple of books on you think that we're perilously close, are we, to a global yes. conflict? You know, you know the, the crap, the shit that they teach us in school. World War I began, little boys and girls, when the Archduke Ferdinand was assassinated in Sarajevo. A craphead, who the hell is the Archduke Ferdinand and where's Sarajevo? It was building up to that. Pearl Harbor was building up to that. People should read the book War is a Racket by Smedley Butler, the most decorated Marine in American history at the time in the 1930s. What a read. War is a Racket. It's the murderers. Don't believe me. How about a guy by the name of Dwight D. Eisenhower, five-star general, supreme commander of the Allied Forces, two-term Republican president, farewell address, January 1961. He warns the American people that the military-industrial complex is robbing the nation of the genius of the scientists, the sweat of the laborers, and the future of the children. It hasn't stopped. Oh, and Russia shouldn't be angry at NATO expanding into Latvia, Estonia, Lithuania. How about if we had the Russians shooting with missiles aiming into America from Canada and the Chinese with missiles aiming into America from Mexico? Oh, we would be so happy. Or Nova Scotia. You're absolutely spot on. Gerald Salenti is our guest. Trendsjournal.com. You made a point in your broadcast yesterday. It's a point I agree with. Why didn't, in your opinion, and no better man to ask, you've been predicting trends for 40 years, 41 years, why didn't the president of Russia and his advisors decide to secure the Donbass, Luensk? I always pronounce that badly. But why not secure those eastern areas where, you know, Russians had been under attack for eight years, just secure those areas and leave it at that. Why do you think yeah. they've not Again, done that? I don't know. That's what yeah. I said. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But th- this is, this is again, anybody thinks that the, you know, all the BS in the, the, the media, you know, they, they, the one lie after another, the ghost thing about the guy, you know, shooting down five or six uh, Russian planes and it was a video game. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I shouldn't you know, laugh, but it's ridiculous, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's just propaganda. And part of that propaganda is saying how the Russians are being repelled. 
You know, there's I, a, a, a fan sent me a, a chart one time, famous chart. It's Napoleon's march to Moscow in the early 1800s. He leaves Poland with 420,000 troops. Young guys believing in the crap, troops. He comes back with 10,000. Then there was Adolf Hitler's Operation Barbarossa to take over Russia. He killed over 20 million Russians. Who were the first country to come into Germany at the end of World War II? Who beat the Germans? The Russians. The Russians. Yeah. Americans made a deal with them. Wait, don't go into Berlin yet. Wait till we get there so we can make, make believe we got there at the same time. You don't, you don't screw with these people. Love them, hate them, you know. And it's none of my business, by the way, what's going on over there. How many more foreign entanglements do you have to get involved in when you have no business? Oh, you did a great job in Somalia. No, I like Sudan better. No, no, no. Uh, how about uh, uh, Iraq? Or as I said, Libya, Syria, on and on and on and on. It's not my business. I'm an American. I'm concerned about my own nation. And there was somebody that these little, I, I, I guess I could use the word properly, ballless little arrogant presidents from Georgie Bush, Billy Clinton, Barack Obama, bullshit Biden, one after another. They couldn't fight their way out of a paper bag. There was a man by the name of George Washington. Yeah, Washington crossed the Delaware, the, the Washington that led the troops and fought. Yeah, that one. The Washington that became, yeah, that guy. Read his farewell address. No foreign entanglements. And warning, the warning not to take sides on, with either nation, good or bad. And the greatest warning, don't get involved with the European nations. Who the hell are we to be there? NATO? War ended, what, 76 years ago? What does America have? 700 bases around the world? In almost 80 countries, the military-industrial complex. Here's the question for you. You've opened up a can of worms there, I think. I kind of agree with you, but, but, but others won't. I, I love this idea that we stay out of things that don't concern us. You know, I'd agree with that in principle. But doesn't, um, don't people have some sort of moral obligation if you see people being killed in another country. I mean, if it happened again, something, if something happened again, like what happened in Nazi Germany, imagine they were rounding up Jews again or they were rounding up Muslims somewhere and killing them. You want to go fight, go fight. Yeah. You want to go do it, go do it. Show me your track record, okay? Okay. Show me the track record. Show me the track record of getting involved to solve somebody else. Show me the track record. And again, you want to go back to Germany? Let's go back to World War One. Let's go back to the Treaty of Versailles. When after they signed it, they said, this is the beginning of World War II. That's right. Because of what yeah. they did to Germany. Destroying Germany, yeah. Crippling yeah. it. It's not, I got my own problems. And what do I got, a bunch of clowns out there going to fix it? 
What are they? Oh, more murder? Oh, yeah, let's increase the murder. Listen to the crap that shot out of the shit that came out of Biden's mouth on, on, the, on the State of the Union address. We're going to inflict more, quote, pain onto Putin. Oh, great. More pain. Yeah, the more pain you get, the better you like it, huh? He's not well, Gerald, is he? Biden. He's, he's, well, he's obviously not they're well. They're all sick. No, but him they're particularly. They're mentally deranged. That's another thing from Eisenhower. Any man seeking the office of president is either an egomaniac or crazy. You could look it up. Didn't um, the founding fathers have this idea? I think you and I spoke about this before, that serving in politics would be a very brief thing for people. That, yep. that they would go back to their land after representing the district for a couple of years and then someone else would get a chance. That was genuinely how Washington saw politics, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Career politicians is- now. You won't believe it. You won't believe it. Guess who I heard on British radio this morning? Warmongering. Only Lindsey Graham. And I had to oh. say, is he still alive? <laughs> and I thought, well, he must be. This guy never saw an invasion or a war that he didn't love. Am I right? Lindsey Graham. What a scumbag. Again, a little, what, you mean Lindsey, did you come, come out of the closet yet, Graham, that one? <laughs> this little, little shit couldn't fight his week, little nothing. You want to go fight? Go fight. Go anybody that wants the war, go sign up, get on your military drag, Take yourself, your wife, and your kids and lead the charge or shut your goddamn mouth. In the um, few minutes that we have left, folks are listening to Gerald Salente, live from Kingston, New York State. Old, a friend, not so old. He's not old. He feels old today. And I don't say that for a joke either. Trendsjournal.com is where you'll find out everything you need to know about the journal. It's published weekly. It's a terrific read. He doesn't pay me to say that. I say it because it is a terrific read. Uh, Support it. Read it. Accurately predicting trends geopolitically and economically for a long time. And if um, some of us had listened to him over the years, we might be better off in the pocket than we are now. But um, what's going to happen then? Because I fear... It's going to get worse. Yeah. You're looking what they're doing. Look at NATO sending all these troops and money into and the United States sending weaponry, we, weaponry and troops all over the area. All of a sudden, here again, you know, I, I could go on for hours with this. And again, you, you mentioned the Trends Journal. There's no magazine like it in the world. Nothing comes close. Yes. And if it's, if they, if you can find one, say, Celinda, you're full of crap. Here's one better. Great. I'd love to see it. I, I talk about what happened on 9/11. When, when, you know, USA Today used to run my top trends every year. And in 2000, we, December, we put them out for, for, the, for the next year. In 2000, it was 2001 won't be our year, Trendseer says. And I wave, wondered a wave of anti-Americanism would sweep the globe at home or abroad. People forget what Bill Clinton was doing, his Yugoslav war, on and on. Payback's a bitch. Anyway, so I saw bad things coming. 9-11 happens. I'm watching what's going on on, on the news. And they say, oh, the plane hit a... The World Trade Center, let's not get excited about this. We're going to cut out. We'll be back in a bit. And I'm watching the thing, and all of a sudden, boom, the plane hits. I pick up the phone. I call my old girlfriend at the time, Marie-Pierre. Marie-Pierre's brother, Francois, was the left shoulder of Jacques Chirac in Mitterrand. She's Parisian, but she was living up here. And my, my close combat teacher, John Perkins, used to go out and work out with the guys in Palace Elysee, okay? Just to make this clear. I said, Marie-Pierre, they just hit the, 
the, uh, the World Trade Center. I said, get your money out of the bank. This is what I'm doing as it happened. And because I know this area really well, and there's the Indian Point nuclear power plant just about 35 miles north of New York City on the Hudson River, and they say the planes are coming down the Hudson River. I don't know if it's going to hit the nuclear power plant, because if it does, there's going to be chaos like everything. So I got my money, I got my gold, and I got my guns, and I had a getaway plan. I'm going to go to Canada, which was about four and a half hours from where I am now, and and I had all back roads because I knew they closed down the, the main ones. What I'm telling people now, just like they did in Canada, where they stole the money from the people that supported a freedom convoy, declaring an emergencies act when there was no terror involved in it at all, they're going to do the same thing. All of a sudden, what happens if there's a bomb that goes off in Wall Street? Ladies and gentlemen, the uh, Russians have hit Wall Street and they've hacked into our banking account. We're closing it down and we're going to do this to protect you as best we can. Whatever crap they want to make up. I'm just telling people to think for yourself. And you, if you prepare for the worst, as I did with 9-11, and the worst didn't happen, I didn't lose anything. If I didn't prepare for the worst and the worst happened, I'd lose everything. And I'm suggesting to people, you better prepare for the worst. Oh, what's oil prices now? Oh, it's only $111 a barrel for Brent crude. Oh, and wheat and palladium and nickel and on and on and on, the inflation numbers. We are going to go into a period of hell on earth if we don't unite for peace. And if you want to help us, go to OccupyPeace.com, OccupyPeace.com. I, Gerald Salenti, am a warrior for the Prince of Peace. And I'm a fighter, but I only attack the attacker. And so it's not like I'm a pacifist because I'm not here to get taken out by anybody. But I'm fighting for freedom. And if we don't unite for freedom, we are going to die in war. World War III has begun. You can see how the people all hate Russia, all hate Putin. What did they, they fired that guy in, in Germany, the, the, the famous uh, uh, conductor, classical music conductor? That's because right, he wouldn't, because he was Russian. Yeah, and yeah. he wouldn't condemn Putin. And it's one after another. It's McCarthyism, isn't it? Worse. It's worse, worse. yeah, yeah. At the least it's McCarthyism, this it's, thing of they association. Asked, they, asked, they asked Albert Einstein, a guy that knew a little thing or two about the atomic bomb, what kind of weapons will be used to fight the Third World War? He said, I don't know. But they'll be using sticks and stones to fight the fourth. Folks, go to trendsjournal.com and subscribe to the journal. Um, it'll be the best thing you do today. Thanks for coming back on the programme. Um, my friend, it's been... Um, but you know, we talk about the most awful things, but I love listening to you. So thanks for doing it. And I look okay. forward to next time. Thank you. And I, do I have one minute? Of course you do. Go right ahead. All right. This is a quote from Smedley Butler, who I told you about. War is a racket. It's always been. Is possibly the oldest, easily the most profitable, surely the most vicious. It is the only one international in scope. It is the only one in which the profits are reckoned in dollars and the losses in lives. Until next time, my friend. Thanks again, Gerald. Thank you.
All the best. Gerald Salente, live on the Richie Allen Show from Kingston, New York. Do check out that War is a Racket book by Smedley Butler, by the way, that, that, that Gerald mentioned. Uh, Trendsjournal.com. At the time, is exactly 20 minutes to the top of the hour. You're with the Richie Allen Show, live as always from Salford, here in the northwest of the UK. Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support the Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk. Welcome back. Lots of comments. Thanks for them. Thank you. Hi to Chris Morell. Hi to Joan, who says, Gerald is spot on. We have to prepare as best as we can. The economy will collapse, says Joan. It's just a matter of time. Yes, Al says, Scottish Al, he says, Biden isn't making any of these decisions. He's just reading the speeches that have been written for him. Every time I see him on television these days, it reminds me of the movie Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> oh, yes. Was Andrew McCarthy in Weekend at Bernie's? Or am I having, I don't know, a moment? I think he might have been. Correct me if I'm wrong. Richard says he agrees with Gerald. If you want to go fight, head on. Do you remember Fahrenheit 9-11? When Michael Moore don't shout at me. I'm sure you've got plenty of grievances with Michael Moore. You and me both. But Fahrenheit 9-11 was a very well-made film. And there was a very, I thought, a powerful scene in the film where Michael Moore approached various congressmen and asked them, listen, how about you sign... He, he had the, the forms, didn't he? He had the forms. And he asked them to sign up their own sons and daughters to go and fight in Iraq. And of course, none of them, none of them gave him, um, they gave him short shrift, didn't they, to put it mildly. Craig says, I couldn't agree more with Gerald's assessments there. Thank you, Craig. Fabrizio says, they start the war, but we have to finish it, he says. Uh, Hi to Patricia. How are you doing, Patricia? What country stepped in when Iraq was being invaded, assaulted, she says, for no reason? None, Patricia. None. Absolutely right. Chirac said no. The French won't be involved. Fair enough. But nobody was calling for sanctions against the United Kingdom and the United States. They lied through their teeth about weapons of mass destruction. They murdered David Kelly, the weapons inspector here in the UK. Murdered him. Because he was blowing the whistle on the lies about the capability of Saddam Hussein and his army. Absolutely right. Nobody was calling. Listen, a million people did march in London, maybe more in the country. But sure, it didn't make any difference, did it? It's a good point. Faisal says, the beginning of World War Three. It's more like an escalation since the NATO invasion of Afghanistan, or as I would suggest, says Faisal, as the NATO bombing of Serbia. Thanks for that, uh, Faisal. Sharon says, thanks for tonight's show, Richie. Uh, I love listening to Gerald Salente. His passionate sincerity always moves me to tears. Thank you, Sharon. Wayne says, how about the Western puppet governments uh, have done what they have done to their own people over the last two years in the name of public health? Exactly. Exactamundo, uh, I would say, Wayne. Angela Lambert, good evening, Angela. Nice to hear from you. I love Gerald's passion. She says, Dolores says Salente is right. Uh, 
Uh, Huffman says the Smith-Munt Modernization Act was changed specifically for the propaganda about Ukraine. He says if you haven't seen Shadowgate, you need to. Joanna's in Ormskirk. Uh, how are you, Joanne? Joanne phoned in, the phone in recently, about the, the vaginal mesh and the injury. Uh, nice to hear from you, Joanne. She says, big love to Gerald, yourself and the whole Richie Allen family. Thanks, Joanne. That's very nice of you, by the way. Hi to Kevin Duckworth. How you doing, Kevin? That's a bit harsh, Kevin. <laughs> Fair enough. The Scummy Brummy recommends I play a song. Uh, not now I won't, but I'll, I'll dig it out for a future show. I'll have to make a note of it. Thanks for that. Alice says the truth will set you free. It goes deep and dark for sure. Okie doke, it's quarter two. The top of the air. It's time for a bit of Dolly, so it is. Never, never get enough of Dolly. This is from the film 9 to 5. It's 9 to 5. Tumble out of bed and I stumble to the kitchen. You can never have enough of Dolly in your day or days. Pandora came on to say that Dr. David Kelly was suicided and she says they smeared Scott Ritter too with allegations of pedophilia to shut the USA whistleblower weapons inspector up as well, says Pandora. Angela came back to say she's finding the virtue signalling about Ukraine even more annoying than Convid, if that's possible, Angela, but I understand that. Hi to Terry Dabble. Thanks for your comment, Terry. I enjoyed listening to Dean and to Gerald myself. I, I always do. Kean says in this, is this conflict the internet... What, is, is, is it the interweaving, is that what you're trying to say to me, of different New World Order resets? Uh, Putin, China versus the West. Or is it a conduit to create global financial reset? Good question. Acker says Smedley Butler is one of the few I can really admire. General Smedley Butler. He blew the whistle on a bunch of industrialists who had contacted him and asked him, would he lead uh, a coup? Would he basically head up? Would he marshal? Would he, would he lead? Yeah, that's the best way of putting it. A coup uh, and overthrow the American government. It's a fascinating story. Smedley Butler. Yes, a group of industrialists, a group of very wealthy people, bankers, came to this decorated general and they said, we want to get rid of the government. Will, will, will you run it for us? Will you run the operation? Uh, read up, all, read all about that on, online. It's, it's fascinating stuff. Uh, Patricia came back to say, if the alleged terrorists really were who we were told they were, and they flew over the nuclear plant, why not crash into that? Is it wrong to suggest that we were lied to? and that the real terrorists were not in airplanes. Just wondering, asks uh, Patricia there. Yes, another very good point. It's good. I'm glad I got to read a few comments this evening. I'm telling myself constantly, Richie, read some of the comments, read more of them, read more, keep reading them. Uh, by the way, Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock UK time, you do get a little bit of this. Sunday morning melodies with the BBD on Richie Allen.com. 
Yeah, and that's kind of the opening jingle for the show. I, I've been meaning to make another one as a promo with the timings on it, but I just haven't gotten round to it. it it's a bit pricey as well, but but uh, but the, the money is there for the jingles, so I should do it, shouldn't I? Get one made up with, with the, the timings on it. Anywho, thanks for your comments. Is there anything else going on? Has anything happened in the two hours or nearly two hours? of the show today. Um, Well, the BBC is reporting right now. I know, insert your own joke there. But it is being claimed that the President of Ukraine, again, insert your own joke there, uh, Vladimir Zelensky, he has asked Russian President Vladimir Putin for one-to-one talks, face-to-face talks. Zelensky has claimed, apparently, that would be the only way to end the war. At the same time, he asked the West to give Ukraine some planes to fight the invasion. But apparently, Vladimir Putin insists that the war is going to plan, even though Ukraine has only lost one major city. So that's what's being reported at the moment. There isn't any indication as to whether Vladimir Putin has agreed to meet Zelensky for a face-to-face chinwag. That's being reported. Uh, It's also being reported that the United Kingdom plans to sanction two further so-called oligarchs. I do agree entirely with the listener who mocked the use of the term oligarch. It's another derogatory term. You know, you can't call this guy a criminal because you don't have any evidence of criminal activity. You just know that he's very wealthy, so you call him an oligarch, because it has negative connotations. Anyway, it's being claimed that Uzbekistan-born Russian billionaire Alisher or Alisher Uzmanov, he's got links to Everton Football Club, but those have been suspended. They're going to sanction him, apparently, and they are going to sanction the former deputy Prime Minister of Russia, a guy called Igor Shavalov. Or Shuvalov. Have I said that right? Shavalov. Yes, Igor Shavalov. That's, I, of course I know who that is, of course. Hasn't Keir Starmer, the Labour leader, been bitching about Igor uh, Shavalov in the last few days? They want these guys sanctioned. They want them frozen. Their money suspended in time. And they want to take their properties and all of that, but they're not giving any reasons. Well, they're, they are alleging no criminality, just that these are supporters of the Russian, uh, Russian Federation President Vladimir Putin. Now, a reporter for Reuters is alleging that there has been an understanding reached on so-called evacuation corridors. Now, an evacuation corridor is when two sides of a conflict, or both sides of a conflict, agree to open up a passage, a route, which will be protected, where people won't be attacked, to allow people to leave an area or to leave a country. So a Ukrainian negotiator called Mikhailo Podolayak, yes, Mikhailo Podolayak, uh, is, (coughs) is claiming that Russia and Ukraine has reached an understanding on securing humanitarian corridors to evacuate peaceful 
civilians. That's being reported too. I don't think there's much more to tell you that's happened in, in the last hour and, what, 54 minutes. I think that's just about where we are. Uh, the Richie Allen show website, richieallen.co.uk, uh, is a place to, uh, to, to to kind of keep in touch with. I'll be posting articles pretty regularly uh, throughout the week, the weeks, even over the weekend. So stay in touch with richieallen.co.uk. Please do that. Uh, there was something else to tell you. It's a busy week next week on the programme, by the way. I'm looking forward to welcoming back Stacey Rudin to the show. Uh, she's terrific value. She'll be back on the show as well. And uh, I've not got much more to say, really, today, other than um, every single show, if you missed any of them, and it's possible you missed some, they're archived at podomatic.com. That's pod, P-O-D-O-M-A-T-I-C.com. The link is richieallen.podomatic.com. All of the shows are on there. I think there's about 1,500 episodes on there over the years. But if you missed anything during, during the week, you can do that. It wouldn't be a bad thing if you happen to have a smart device. I don't recommend smart devices. But if you download the Podomatic app, it's a good app. It's a stable app. And uh, programs, when I upload programs, they will immediately appear on your phone. Immediately. I know you can do that with iTunes as well, but uh, Podomatic is where I archive the programme. I've been doing business with them since 2015, I believe. Maybe even late 2014. I like them. They've got a very good ethos. They have promised, they have made a public proclamation that they will never censor one of their account holders. And they will never delete them uh, because of their opinions because of what they do. So they're pretty good like that. Uh, in the UK download podcast charts, uh, The Richie Allen Show is doing unbelievably well. It's pretty much always in the top 50. That's for the entire country now, which is an amazing thing. And I, I, I have to work pretty hard not to brag about that. I really do. It's an amazing, astonishing thing. Uh, the show is beating some of the biggest names in UK news every day. Isn't that an amazing thing? That's down to you. So thank you for listening to it and using, uh, you know, the podcast service to, uh, to to do that. So that's brilliant. Yes, it's uh, I have to say I do. I do grin. And it's not smugness. It's not self-satisfaction. It's not self-congratulatory or anything like it. But I love it. Some of these bastards, like Ian Dale at LBC and uh, O'Brien and others, They've made some statements, you know, they've, they've called out the Richie Allen show over the years, publicly, and mocked it. I remember a couple of years back, Ian Dale mocked it, laughed at it, and said anybody can, can, can go online and pretend to be a radio programme, it's all bollocks. And at the time I humiliated Dale on Twitter, I said, put your metadata online and I'll put mine online. I have far more listeners than you, pal. And you've got all the advertising revenue. You've got all the billboards on LBC. I've just got a home-built studio in Manchester, as it was at the time. No, I do get a little bit tickled when I see that this programme outperforms some of the biggest names in UK news every day of the week in the podcast download charts. I'm kind of proud of it. And you should be as well, because um, you make it happen. You really do. I'm going to love you and leave you until Sunday morning melodies at uh, 10. Enjoy your weekend. Look after yourselves and one another. Thank you to Gerald and also to Dean. Bye now.